everyone, this is Mili Tushun. I'm so happy that you are tuned in to another episode of Human Becomings. Please do subscribe and like this on iTunes. Welcome to another episode of Human Becomings. I'm really excited about my next guest. I have Ali Young. She is the CEO and founder of The Forum. And we are going to be doing deep dive on having a voice and trust. So welcome, Ali. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. You're welcome. So before we get into a deep dive, Ali, can you tell us about the forum and how you embarked on this business? Sure. So um, I have a long career on the corporate side. I started my career agency side. I was at Google for 11 years in leadership on the sales side, primarily on tech, selling ad tech products. Um, and I decided ultimately to launch the forum to help get women further faster in their careers. And I really did it somewhat suddenly where I took a little bit of time off in between, um, I was at another ad tech company, I took time off between that company and figuring out my next thing. And in the middle of all of this, um, the Me Too movement happened. And so, you know, one night me, just like every other woman that I know, we were, I was typing in Me Too into Facebook um, and I decided that there is no way that we're ever going to have substantial change unless we get women into leadership. Um, and so I also realized that I know how to do that. I myself was in leadership. There's a lot of women who I had worked with. They had moved into leadership and I know how to teach this. I just have to figure out how to do it at scale. So I started coming up with my own curriculum. I started testing it and launching it on Instagram. I do a lot of corporate training and career coaching. And then recently I've been working on a tech platform, which really takes the mentoring, the coaching and the workshops. It sort of combines all three of them into this platform that provides career development for an entire organization. So what we do is we teach employees how they can own their own career development how they can navigate a large corporation in order to increase upward mobility um, and to uh, and to create optionality for themselves within their own career and to really take control of their career because I feel so many of us don't feel like we have control and I guess a voice is a big part of that which we could talk about um, and so I'm, I've been building out this platform that'll be launching in the next few weeks B2B um, but the platform for me it's all about scaling you know I can build out a curriculum, I could do career coaching and corporate workshops, but it's still small. Like I'm not going to, it's, it's impactful, but I can't change corporate America one workshop at a time. I just can't scale that way. So taking what I do and building it into a, tech, a scalable tech platform just you know, made a lot of sense, but it took me a, around a year to figure out how to do that. I finally figured it out. We've been building and again, launching soon. That is brilliant. So Ali, you mentioned about optionality and having a voice while navigating through a corporation and that is inherently present. I used to work for a huge corporation and I noticed not just myself, other women not having a voice or their voice just being lost. Can you expound a little bit about what you mentioned about optionality? I think optionality is hugely important. Um, I think a lot of us don't realize that we actually have options. We have many options. Um, 
you know, we start our career and we're on a particular path and we could be doing well. And then all of a sudden we have a manager that doesn't really see us for the value that we're contributing. Or we could have, we could, you know, move into a department where there's a toxic culture, or we could move into a department where there's a lot of, you know, unconscious bias, which is actually everywhere, but it, you know, can be a little bit more prevalent in some departments rather than others, or like as you move up the ladder, right? women, there's more and more men. Um, and so I think we often feel trapped. Like we've invested all of this time in our career, or we've invested all of this time and energy and brand equity in a department or in that thing that we do. And for us to get off and try something, like get off that path and try something new, or even move into another department or move to another company doing the same thing, it feels like it's going to derail us. And so we feel like we don't have options when I actually think we have many, many options. And actually, a lot of the road bumps that we hit, all they're doing is providing data points that help us hone in on what we should be doing and who we should be working with or the types of people that we should be working with. Um, and we should use that to help us navigate instead of having that be a roadblock. Um, and so I think we do have options in our career, but a lot of times we often feel trapped or we feel like the victim of circumstance. And certainly, like things happen to women, we get blocked. Like there are certainly biases that are there. We can get blocked. Sometimes we're not heard, seen, valued for the work that we're pro you know, providing. That is true. But um, what I would like to see is for all of us to just figure out ways to navigate so that we are seen and that we are heard and that we are valued. And the only way to do that is to do your career that you have options, many, many options. You just have to figure out what they are. No, I agree with you, Ali. You mentioned something really powerful. You mentioned that uh, we all have options and we all have a voice. And sometimes we just our managers or in our teams, we do not get noticed, especially for women. And I've, I've seen it, I've, I've experienced it as well. Why do you think people become a victim of circumstances? Uh, is it because oneself, I'm, I'm going to focus on women first. Is it because women are conditioned to, to think lesser of themselves or, or, or is it just, from whatever is put out in the media or what is being taught at schools or is it part of a society? Well, I do think there's a real disparity between the way women work um, and view success versus um, the, like the actual path to success. So my observations, as well as there's a lot of studies around this, but I'll just keep it for my, my observations at the moment. Um, as well as my own experience. Mm -hmm. Women work extraordinarily hard and we are heads down workers. And we really do expect that if we work really hard and knock it out of the park and do extraordinary work, that that extraordinary work will be acknowledged and seen. Um, and then that will create upward mobility for us and that optionality. When I think um, that, that's just not the way actually um, upward mobility happens. Now you have to do well at your job, like that's table right. state, but you don't actually need to be the best. You have to do really well at your job and then people need to know what you're doing and you have to be fairly well networked. 
Um, and I think that's the place where we err sometimes on productivity and work and not nurturing those other relationships that maybe don't come naturally to us. Um, so an example of that is um, fostering and cultivating relationships with people who are who influence your career and who actually review like uh, work in your like work in your department and provide reviews. So in a performance review, for instance, never just your manager who's evaluating you. It's your manager plus your manager's peers plus the entire line up. And so really fostering the relationships with all of those people and cultivating those relationships is a key part of creating optionality and that's a place where we don't always focus because building those relationships can feel forced and also because we're, we just want to be recognized for the great work that we're doing. And so I always say we just have to pause, actually take on less work, do less, but show a little bit more to the people who matter. And that is, it's a little bit of a different mindset. I wish we could just do great work and be seen for the great value that we're providing. I did that for years. And ultimately what happened to me in my career is I really had to 10X all the people around me in order to rise and to move into leadership. I always look back to that time when I was starting my career where I actually could have done a lot less, mm -hmm. but if I cultivated relationships a little bit more, I would have gotten just as far or farther. Like I literally could have done less. But I, that, I so valued the work that I was doing. I so valued the um, having a big impact through productivity and work and an and impact that I didn't, you know, I just did not see the types of relationships that I needed to focus on. And I was too reliant on my manager. So I feel like there's, it should work one way, but it, it just doesn't. Right. And you mentioned something really interesting over here, creating relationships, nurturing those relationships. I first-handedly can speak to this. I used to be this worker where I heads down, just work, 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 you know, because I believed in hard work. Hard work prevails, right? Your work speaks for yourself. And I never really built those relationships. And this was when I was in my 20s and early 30s. And I thought I always had this feeling that if I was going to build relationships with my managers or my managers' managers or whoever was reviewing me, I just felt that I was being, I was kissing people's asses, and it did not feel right. And the more work I took on, that was how I was programmed and I was conditioned. Right, like if you do more work, you take on more work. It speaks to what you can do, and you'll get promotion. And quickly I learned that was not the way. And this is what I struggled with. I had a decent relationship with my manager because I knew I was doing work. So I thought my work spoke and whatever great work I was putting, it would strengthen the relationship. Then I noticed <laughs> like other colleagues of mine, they would go for tea, for beer, and they'd just chit chat for two hours. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh my God, what nonsense are you guys talking about? It's irrelevant to work. But I missed out on that crucial, crucial factor of building those relationships. And it was not kissing asses. It was more like, you know, when you have a friend, you talk about what 
what inspires them or what they like to eat or what they like to talk about. So that was a relationship building aspect. And I also felt that if I was to force myself these relationships with my managers and my manager's managers, I felt that my true voice would not be heard. And that was just a mistake. And I felt that my true voice was, was my work. Yeah. It, it was just misaligned. And I, I learned in my late thirties that that was not the way. And I would not say it was late, but that was a wake up call for me uh, that, you know, yet yeah, nurturing relationships via our opinions, even if they disagree, even if they disagree, it is an avenue or an opportunity to build that relationship. So and how I, did you, how did you learn that? Was it one experience that was that crystallized the learning for you? It, because for me, not just one, because it kept on occurring again and yeah. again. And that's when I thought, okay, it's a repeated pattern. I finally realized these patterns are happening and I would cry. I would cry as to why am I not getting promotion? My work is top notch. And, and my manager would pass it off as her work mm. and she would get promoted. And it happened again, again in my 20s and in my early 30s. And finally, it happened again in my late, late 30s. And that's when it was a wake-up call for me. It took me two decades, Ali, to learn about it. And that's when I thought, no, these are all repeating again and again. And I evaluated and I reflected. It was data for myself. It was data for myself and I evaluated and reflected. And then it occurred to me, it was all about nurturing relationships and doing less. Like you said, you know, you have to do a decent job. More does not mean <laughs> that you're going to get promoted. It's all about building that community, right? And that's where I lacked for two decades. And finally, all this reflection was a wake-up call for me. Yeah. I mean, you, you make it sound like such a long time. And it, I mean, I guess two decades is, but... I think that's just the normal progression for all of us is, you know, sort of figuring this out. And by the way, you could learn it and then still have to refine it over time. Right. It's hard. I always struggle with taking a step back and instead focusing on relationships. And I'm a relationship person. I'm naturally an extrovert. I love working with people, mm -hmm. but I also get very focused on my work. Um, and I do think it, the work is so close to us. So it's hard for us to take a step back and say, well, what should my communication strategy be around my work? And that's a lot of what I do with my clients is I ask them to take a step back, think about themselves as a business. And if they were a business, how would they market that business and who would they market it to? Because that's truly what you are and what we should be doing. Um, and sometimes if you, if you also think about a celebrity, I think about it in this way sometimes also, the celebrity is a, Celebrity is an individual, but they're their own brand, right? They're like this multi-billion dollar brand. So they have to market themselves and they absolutely need to take a step back and figure out how do they market themselves objectively. And of course they have that team that allows them to do that. But I think we should be doing that too, right? Like each one of us, we're worth a certain amount. That's the value that we're getting paid. Um, as you rise, you're paid more and more. And so how are we not taking a step back to say, well, what is my brand? And how am I communicating my value? And how am I 
showing this communication plan or like this great work that I'm doing through a communication plan to the people that matter and to the people who will open doors for me. And I agree with you. And I have also felt that it feels, when you think about it in a personal way, it doesn't feel good. Um, you feel like you are kissing someone's ass to your, to your words, but I've used the same. Um, and I have felt very resentful in my career at certain points over other people who were doing that really well. And I knew that they were doing less work than me, had a lower output, um, lower impact, and yet were getting just as far as me. And that was so frustrating, but I just had to start breaking it down and looking at myself objectively and understand why wasn't I, you know, why wasn't I getting as far as I thought I deserved based on what my impact was. That's, you know, cause I still got far, but I, I know in my heart of hearts that I could have gone even further and I should have gone even further. And if I had cultivated those relationships that were strategic, not just my peer group, then forget about it. I could have knocked it out of the park. And the moment I started cultivating those relationships and being intentional about it, that is when doors just started swinging open left and right. And that is what happens also today. And it's interesting, actually, as an entrepreneur, these are very clear. It's very clear. Like the skills that you need to increase upward mobility within a company are a little like fuzzy. But as an entrepreneur, it's like dead clear. You are a brand, you have to market your brand, you have to build relationships, you have to network. It's the only way you will get your business off the ground, otherwise it will go nowhere. But That's so true. Yeah, but those exact same principles apply to a company, but it is like so fuzzy, nobody understands it, nobody talks about it. And that's why I've spent so much time building out my platform and focusing on what I do because teaching people how to navigate a company, nobody teaches that. You're taught how to do your job, how to code, how to sell. You could also observe how other people are marketing, right? Like if you're in marketing, how was the other marketing managers? How are they doing their job? Right. But you right. cannot observe other people navigating their also because a lot of people aren't intentional about it we just sort of stumble into it and some are better than others and sort of pick it up faster than others but nobody is taught this and so that is really what i teach and by the way there are five skills that i focus on in terms of um increasing upward mobility or op optionality because i don't think you always need to go up like do other things i and i also think from young in your career all the way to the top, like it does not, don't just do that one thing. Like work in other companies, try different departments, test out different types of roles because that I think is a way to actually increasing mobility and optionality as you are older. So, um, and when you wanna choose what it is you wanna do, you have to have lots of different experiences. So when I say upward mobility, I really don't mean like, just climbing that ladder straight up. Try different things. Do what you want to do, but you want to be able to, to choose. Um, but the five skills for increasing mobility are one, self-advocacy. And that's really that navigation piece. How are you navigating your company? Um, how are you building out a communication plan for the great work that you're doing, showing that to the right people? The second skill is your personal brand, which by the way, I always talk about it, particularly for women as controlling your narrative. Um, when men are evaluated, they're evaluated based on their potential. And when women are evaluated, we're evaluated based on 
our past or what we're doing like right at this moment in time. And so, that is so true. I know it's very frustrating. And so we though have an opportunity to start shaping how other people talk about what it is that we do. And I, oh, you just have to do it. You just have to say, I do this and I'm great at it because, or I, this is my job and I love it because of this, or my secret sauce is, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, now there's, there's tens of thousands of people that have the same title as you. And so just walking around and saying, I'm an account manager. What does that mean? I'm an engineer. What does that mean? Why do you do what you do? Is it because you love problem solving? Is it because you love, you know, like create, working on an idea and bringing it to life? Is it because you love, you know, um, like scaling out an idea and teaching other people something? What is that thing? You have to share that and people will remember that. So that's how I talk about personal branding and controlling your narrative. That's the second skill. The third is networking. So you have to expand your network and you can't, you have to cultivate it. You have to nurture it, which is what we talked about before. And you have to add to it. And, you know, networking is really an act of generosity where you feed into your network. Or if you feed into your network, your network will give back to you. If you give to your network, your network will give back to you. So if you are helping people, somebody asks you to pass along their resume, or they ask you for a few minutes of time because they're you know, working on a problem or trying to figure out their career path, give it to them, help them, and that will come back to you in spades. But what I do is I just build networking into my everyday life. I have breakfast or tea with people like two or three times a week, different people. Um, it's 20 to 30 minutes, it's not long, but it's a great way to build relationships that are strong and we help each other out. Um, the fourth skill is financial fluency as it relates to business acumen. So it's not personal finance, although that's hugely important where I focus because it's not on the business side. Um, but a lot of women are blocked because we're not able to express the economics of the business. And one of the reasons that happens is because when men are given feedback, they're given feedback on the business. Like, how do you run the business? This is, you know, um, like new opportunities within the business. When women are given feedback, it's almost always based on our personality. And so this gap of women and men, men understanding more about the financial economics of the business, because of that, their managers spend more time with them on this than women. And so this is another place where we just need to dedicate a little bit of time, hone that skill, and it will start opening up opportunities for us. Um, because we could be the best at our job, literally the best, but if we cannot express the economics of the business, we'll never be a department head because people will think we're great at our job, but that we're not equipped to run a department. Right. A lot of women get blocked there and get stuck in middle management. And finally, it's just continuing to invest in leadership skills where, um, you know, we are so busy and we have so many commitments and we put other people first and we're so focused on tomorrow's deliverable that we often don't go to, you know, like we'll decline a workshop, for instance, on a particular, building a particular skill because we don't have time. And that's where I think we need to get selfish and say, you know what, what's more important to me in my entire career is not working on this deck for tomorrow, which I'm not even gonna remember the client or the project five years from now, but instead I'm gonna go to this workshop where I pick up this new amazing skill. So anyway, that was a lot. But those are the five skills, and we could chat about them. Um, but those, that, though, like that, if, if we are able to focus there, 
that is a way that will help us really navigate organizations as well as navigate our career. I absolutely loved what you just said, the five points. Let's tap on self-advocacy first. I believe that this advocating for ourselves, especially with women, uh, when I say women, women from every country, no matter which community you belong to, religious beliefs that you have, which nation that you belong to, I find that women, and I used to be one of them as well, well, I'm still a woman, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I used to not advocate for myself because I felt that talking about myself was boasting, you know? And I did not feel comfortable doing it. Why would I boast about myself? And I was always afraid of boasting about myself and thinking, oh my God, what if someone calls my bullshit? Even though I knew that I, I was speaking great about my work, you know how some people will always find something wrong with your work. And I was always afraid of that. Yeah. And I never quite self-advocated for myself, but with my male peers or colleagues, I always saw them advocating for themselves, even though those things were not true about them, but they were talking about what they could do in the future, even though they did not have the skills in them. And that, I feel that that aligns with having a voice and trusting in yourself. And a lot of women feel that if they speak up, they're going to be shut down and they are afraid of speaking up. And if they do not speak, it's, it's from having that fear of not speaking up. How, how can women cultivate that, that, that important character or important behavior to actually having a voice? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I really agree with you that the self-advocacy does circle back exactly to having a voice and trusting in your voice and really owning it and coming into yourself. Um, I mean, I think that there's ways around it and to work on this, like thinking about yourself as a business and trying to make it not as personal. But at the same time, I like to see women, I like to inspire women to really own their voice and to own their point of view. And We work and we are not the majority within, you know, the executive teams of these companies. Like corporate culture is, you know, very masculine. We are shot down our perspective. And that's why I also think that we just need to, we need to move around until we find the people that advocate for us, support us, and then we need to do the same for others. Um, I just think we have to find it unacceptable to be shut, to have our voices shut down. And we have to find ways around that. And it takes enormous amounts of courage. Yeah. Yes. I, I agree with you. And I agree. And by the way, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just don't want to leave it as in women need to solve all these problems because that is not what I'm saying. But the thing is that I just, um, you know, there are like systemic challenges. I want all of those worked on by companies. I just, you know, I think that, that the systemic challenges within companies will take a very long time to be worked on. I don't actually see measurable progress in any of the companies that I work with. And so 
I think for women, we just have to, we got to find our people and we have to have that courage because we should be, we should be heard. And what we have to say is enormously valuable. That's true. And you mentioned about moving around, uh, you know, trying different things. I feel that moving around, trying different things, even within a company builds not just your skills. I, I feel that it strengthens what we have, what the kind of skills that we have, or the, it gives us the courage to actually self-advocate for ourselves. And, and just touching on having a voice and our voice is really powerful and important and valuable. I, well, I experienced something really detrimental uh, during my last corporate career. And that was the re reason I walked away, but it taught me a valuable lesson as to why we should never let our voice be oppressed because our voice is totally tied with the value we can bring, how we can move, not just our team forward, how we can bring the company forward because that's what a lot of organizations or companies are looking for where they want people who are innovators who are big thinkers who can move the company forward and i noticed that the more i was my voice or my my value whatever value i was bringing it was just dismissed by saying you are a foreigner you do not know what you're talking about uh, you do not speak english even though i was communicating in english or I would get just dismissed while I was presenting, I would just be shut down by my manager, who is another female. And that is one thing I could not understand why women shut down other women. And we should be building each other up. That, that's something that I cannot understand. But the more I find that I was becoming afraid where my, my voice was being dismissed in my team, I felt that, I was losing confidence and the more I lost my confidence, I lost my ability to articulate. I lost my ability to build my personal brand, even within that group, that organization, because I was, I, I knew, and I, I am really great at identifying processes and automating it. And I lost that ability. And Wait, I, you didn't lose that ability. You just lost faith in that ability. True, true. It was just buried inside. It was just buried inside because of all this dismissal that, oh, Mila, you do not know what you're talking about. You're a foreigner. No one understands you. You need to learn how to speak. And you're so right. How we are reviewed on is always about what we've done in the past and about our personality. And that those are the kind of feedbacks I've gotten in, in my past. And that is a huge, huge gap and a disservice to not just women or, or people who, whose voices are being just oppressed. And you speak about personal brand and networking. I think that is all tied together, right? Because when, when, when your voice is kind of like dismissed, you do not have the strength to network. You're always having this doubt in you as to, okay, if I can't bring anything valuable, how am I going to network with people? That gets not eliminated, but that gets put in the back burner. And then we do not build our personal brand. And it's, it's, I try to, you know, through my work, I always try to empower women, especially women, because having experienced it by myself, 
my identity switched from a very confident person to, to, to doing great things to this person whom I could not even recognize. I could not even speak. I used to speak in front of crowds, Ali, give speeches and talks to hundreds of people, but I did not lose that ability, but I felt that I was paralyzed. I could not get to speak in front of people. I could not finish my sentence. I could not even communicate or articulate what was in my head. It was just really bad. Yeah. I know. No, that happens. It does. Um, so if you were my client, I would say like long ago, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta move out of that department and right. the, the company that really loses you now that's the thing. And why do women not bring, why do women not, you know, help raise up other women? I think it's, you know, we're competing essentially for that seat and for resources. And it's a scarcity mindset. Um, and we have that, when we have that scarcity mindset, then we do view the world and other women as competition. Um, but ultimately, if we are collaborating, we will get significantly farther. And that is what, and that is what we see with men every day, that men are collaborating. They compete, of course, but they're not competing instead of collaborating. They have healthy competition and at the same time, collaborate with one another, help each other, you know, recommend one another, advocate for one another. That is part of the male psyche. And that is a place where I really would love to see women change. Now, a lot of times women too, we feel like we're, we really should not be advocating for other women, that people will think that we're just being biased or we're just recommending a woman because you know, we're a woman and they're a woman and it's just, not actually, it's not objective. Um, and so I think that that is another piece of this of the, of the puzzle. Um, and we will get significantly farther if we're really helping each other out um, and we're really supporting one another. I hope to see that change. I have been seeing that change, but I know it's not everywhere. Right. And and I want to see more people, women especially, collaborate, even on Instagram, you know, uh, whatever that people are doing, I want to see more women collaborate and lift each other up. That is power in collaboration. Yeah. Uh, absolute power in collaboration. I mean, if you look at societies or communities where some communities or cultures are very individualistic and some cultures and communities are very collaborative, and communities that are very collaborative comes up really quickly. And I've noticed this in my, in my um, not just corporate career, in my professional career as well, men who collaborate. And I see that on social media as well, where they will come onto Instagram Live and just lift each other up or on podcasts and they get many followers. Of course, their content is fantastic as well. But when you are in an environment where you know you're not networking networking is part of collaboration like you said you have to give in order to get and you give genuinely and that's all part of collaboration as well and the power of collaboration is when we give with no expectation collaborate with no expectation not that are so much benefits not just for ourselves but for the other person 
for the community and whomever is following you or receiving whatever valuable content that you're putting out. Yeah. But how can we, how can we cultivate collaboration? I mean, not at a larger scale, but just to start off small at a small level, how can we collaborate? What are your thoughts? Well, I think we have to move away from the scarcity mentality and realize that collaborating helps not just that person, but also ourselves. Um, and I think we have to not be so damn busy. And by the way, it's very hard. I have two children. It's extraordinarily hard for women to not be so busy. We have more on our plates often enough at home um, than our husbands do. Um, and so it is, it's, it's not easy, but I think it does come down to, if we really believe that collaboration will um, you know, help rise all boats, including our own, then that needs to be prioritized over you know, some deliverable tomorrow that's not very important. Um, I always say, like, you got to schedule it into your calendar. You have to look for opportunities to collaborate. You have to be in that mindset of how can I help other people? How can I support other people? How can I support other women? Um, but if you're just running from activity to activity, you're triple booked every day, you're running home, cooking dinner, putting the kids to bed, going to bed exhausted, you leave, you're depleted, and you leave no time. And so I do think a lot of this also comes to time and making sure that we have it because it is extraordinarily important for us to connect. And not only just because of work, but also because it feeds the soul. Right. Being with other people and feeling generous and feeling like you're helping somebody uh, or knowing you're helping someone, you know? Right, right. And I feel that being with someone else, the more we network, it actually pushes us to learn new things. It pushes us to, like you said, it's very synonymous to when you're in a company, try new things, move different teams, uh, you know, go to different companies. I feel that that's the same thing when we, when we collaborate, when we network. We are, the more we network, we are trying new personalities, we're learning about new personalities. We are also learning about our souls. And this is something that I found. The more people I network with, and every, not well, I try to network and <laughs> meet for tea at least three times a week with someone. And everyone is different, and everyone's ideologies are different. And it pushes me to understand them from, from a different lens. And it also pushes me to challenge my own ideologies or whatever I've learned. And I feel that networking or collaborating with people, you know, makes us learn about other people, personalities, uh, because every concept or anything that we talk about does not, it's not from a singular lens. It has got many, many per, uh, perspectives, uh, many meanings, different people perceive it differently. And it allows us to grow exponentially that's what i find when we network and when we collaborate without expectations yeah i agree completely you do you learn so much from other people it really feeds into how you view the world or opportunities um it can you know if you want to like find a new way to think about a product an opportunity a role anything like a market right just talk to a bunch of different people that are in it 
and it will give you a much deeper understanding. And I always say for people who work at companies, like actively seek to network with people outside your department within your company. And then you'll have a much better sense of the organization. Right. And I want to add something. A lot of people, not a lot of people, but many people have this fear of networking or talking to other people and sharing their ideas. I've heard from many of my friends why they do not network or share their ideas because they are afraid that when they network or share their ideas or share something about themselves or something that they're working on that might get stolen and i want to add people should never be afraid of sharing your ideas or should never be afraid of their ideas being stolen right and 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 that prevents you from networking. That prevents you from moving forward. If you're so afraid of sharing your voice, sharing your ideas by networking, that prevents you from moving forward. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it does. I mean, I, I'm just trying to think, yes, there's people can, I, I don't know why. Why are we so fearful of someone stealing our idea? What are they going to do with it? Right, right. And someone might steal it, but will they really execute on it? That's the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's, it goes a lot more. So I, 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 really, I really want to send a message to people like not to be afraid of networking, not to be afraid in having a voice, and not to be afraid of collaborating because all these factors, collaboration, having a voice, networking pushes pushes us to so many levels. I mean, it's, it won't be linear. There's going to be some dips and, and, you know, some struggles, but all these three factors pushes us forward. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I know we're running out of time, Ali, but any last words on, on building confidence, building a community, a collaborative environment, um, I know you've been in the industry for years. Any wise words from you? Um, my wise words. My wise words are, um, <laughs> I have to think about this for a moment because I think what I would stick to is connecting with other people, um, like in terms of this topic. And for women who are working in large companies, you know, as well as entrepreneurs, but um, it is really important. It is really critical that we connect with others and um, don't lose touch with people. Like I, I, you know, I have a lot of clients who will say, "Oh, I I've lost touch with people at my old company," or "I haven't talked to." I see all these people like alumni uh, from my MBA program on you know, LinkedIn, and but I haven't talked to him, I haven't seen anyone in a while. It's very easy to get back in touch with, you know, with people. It's never too late. You just need to get back into the game and you don't need to spend a lot of time on this. I would say don't let this be a time suck for you, but if you are thinking about someone, send them a text or a quick email and say, hey, just saw this thing, it made me think about you. I hope you're doing well. And that will just quickly reconnect with someone. You don't, you do not need to sit and write an email for an hour explaining why you haven't talked to someone or you apologize for, you know, dropping off. Just tell someone you're thinking about them. You hope they're doing well and start reconnecting and be open to collaborating and working with people in a different way. Um, and I, I do think 
the net result of that is that it will build your confidence. When your confidence is built, that will help lead into having owning your voice, not creating a voice or building voice, but owning the voice that you already have. It will help you really refine a perspective on a topic, whatever that may be. Um, and that is often the lift that you need. And so I think we under-index on networking and we should be over-indexing there and on our relationships. Beautifully put, Ali. I absolutely love that. Uh, you know, just sending a text to someone if, you know, and you don't need to write a long email. That's beautifully put. So Ali, where can people find you on social? Uh, so I'm on Instagram. I'm at the forum dot co so t-h-e the forem f-o-r-e-m dot co i named the company after my daughter for emerson oh yes um and you can find me on linkedin at ali young a-l-l-i young y-o-u-n-g brilliant thank you again ali for coming on board it's been such a pleasure having a chat with you on human becomings